bless good night everyone welcome to friday night live with your host r urban padia this is men of purpose talks our live edition today is the 30th day of october 2020 the time is 9:08 in the pm and today we have a packed show for you share it like the page tell a friend we'll be speaking today about finding our identity finding our identity it sounds simple but still a lot of people find difficulty in finding who they really are they never they never achieve that objective we spend a lot of time searching all over for who we are and who we were meant to be that's why today we're going to talk about that just for a bit finding our identity as men especially as women as an individual who are you and why are you here what is your purpose on this earth and how can we find some semblance of sanity in the craziness that is happening all around us i don't want you to miss it i don't want you to take this off you are going to really really enjoy today it's going to be a treat Today, as we do every Friday, we have our song of the day. So we're going straight into the song of the day. Our song of the day is from none other than Positive tonight. Positive out here. Hope you enjoy it. Them through the youth, we used to get money, but never teach them to work. Yeah. Yeah. 
That was positive, the song of the day. Out here. And uh, right now we have some messages, so we will be right back. I look at prostate cancer, for example. Just in the last 10 years alone, the number of drugs that have been approved for metastatic cancer, but we had nothing. And now we have a lot more options today than ever before. So, uh, yeah, that the science part of it is very optimistic. And the, the other thing is, is that does everyone need the latest and the greatest? No, we just need to know how to, who needs it and who doesn't need it. But we have a really good healthcare system, I just hope Again, as a society, we don't screw it up. One of the things that's getting bigger and bigger is, is the genetics of cancer. And um, that's a big challenge. We need more genetic counselors. We need uh, more people to sit down with families and go over these issues. So for example, with breast cancer, I think they're probably far ahead of the curve when it comes to genetic counseling. That's, they've done a, an incredible job with that. I think other cancers, like prostate, and certain kidney cancers, we need to catch up with on the size of the stone and where it is. So small stones, for example, less than five millimeters, as long as the patient is not totally in horrible pain, we encourage them to take some pain medicine and try to pass it because they have a greater than 60% chance of passing those stones. Now obviously there are certain exceptions to that if they're diabetic or if they have a fever 
um, or they're going into kidney failure, those are different. But in general, if they're like your you know, average person that doesn't have those diseases, we encourage them to try to at least try to pass them first. Because it saves them being put to sleep and having um, operations and stuff like that. Um, if it's greater than five, or if they have these other factors, then obviously we'll go after those stones. And the nice thing about our hospital here is that uh, they've been very supportive of us, uh, especially when it comes to kidney stones. And uh, we have the latest lasers and scopes and everything that um, to treat these things. Thank you very much, Advanced Urology Institute. For more information on getting information from this great institute, go to www.advancedurologyinstitute.com. That's advancedurologyinstitute.com. There are many downs, and these upheavals are what make every individual a better person. However, there are times in life when we fall deep into the abyss of despair, or as I like to say, in the valley of despair. We all have that mountain top experience, and also we have that valley experience. During these times, we, we need a few encouragement and, and encouraging words serve as a guiding light that pulls us out of the dark despair encouraging us to move on to be empowered to believe in ourselves but also encourage us to be the best that we could be now i just want to quote a few words or, or better yet, let me let the master do it for himself. Given your encouragement quote of today, everything is a season we have. The late Miles Monroe. I hope you enjoy.
is alive will change. And even things that are not alive will change. You know, a lady came to me. She says, I came to the Bahamas for the last 10 years. And I missed four years. And I came here this past month and everything is different. The airport is new, she said. What happened to the old airport, she says. In other words, even the things not alive are changing. The way the river runs down the mountain is wearing away the mountain. You go back to that mountain 10 years later and the river is wider. Yes. Change is in creation. It's part of life. So here is the question then. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It says, to everything there is a season. And to every purpose under heaven there is a time for it. To, to everything, there's a season. How many things have a season? Everything. This is one of the best news I ever got in my life. When I understood this, I was a teenager and it changed my life. When I understood that everything is a season, let me tell you why. If you're having a bad time right now, it cannot last. If you cannot find a job right now, that is only a season. If your business is going in the wrong direction, it's a seasonal slide. If nobody wants to marry you, that's only a season. There's going to come a season when everybody want to marry you. You got choices. <laughs> If you have no money right now, the good news is I am seasonally broke. Tell your neighbor, it's only for a time. That's the good news. That's why we are always reminded, never make a permanent decision in a temporary problem. All right, so this is going to be a little bit unorthodox. Obviously, you don't see Evan here. He challenged me when I heard the So that was... Pastor Myers Monroe telling us that everything is a season. In everything, there is a season. And in, in this life, there are always ups, there are always down. There are always times when we want to go on. There are times when we want to stop. But I want to encourage you today. Don't allow your time of season, don't allow that situation to bring you down. Don't allow what you're going through right now cause you to believe that it's never going to make it. You are never going to achieve anything and you are never going to make it in life. That's a lie. Just as what he said, just as there's a summer, there's a winter. Every season has a time, has a limit. And although you may be in the darkest and the cold time in your life right now things are going to get better i assure you things are going to get better just for a little bit we're going to just transition and join the international house of prayer as they live stream for a bit um so let's take them in here to see what's happening the issues can be complex and crafty and hidden and subtle and layered and like what and the paul says 
you know, you have to have knowledge of my heart and the cross and how I view things, but you need spiritual discernment as well, which is similar to having knowledge. It's a very similar, but Paul emphasized those two different facets. Paragraph G. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this over and over, and some of this stuff on the notes I won't cover. I've said it the last number of months and years over and over and over. And so, but this is more than academic information. The most challenging thing is to discern, is to abound in love. I mean, God loves us. Abound in knowledge of how God loves us. I like that one. Abound in impartation of love for Jesus. I like that. But abounding in love for people, again, as long as they're far away, or as long as they like the same things you like and they like you, that's pretty easy. It goes pretty good if they like you and like the things you like. But when they're in the family of God and they don't really like you and they don't agree with you and they don't like what you like. They don't like your music. They don't like your views. They don't like how you live. They have criticism. That's when it gets challenging. And so this having discernment of how God views them is critical to the family of God entering into John 17, mature love. It, it's supernatural. It's, you know, I remember, I've heard this over the years. You know, I've been a pastor 45 years now, coming right up to it in a few months. And uh, oh, how many hundreds of times have I heard this? And a couple of times I was kind of a little bit smarter, like, and, but I quit doing that. And uh, the early days they would come and say, we want to join your church. Because my church isn't loving. I said, do you realize you just said your church isn't walking in the supernatural glory of God, the highest level all the time? They're not loving. Of course they're not loving. They're broken human beings. What are you talking about? They go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now I quit saying that. But not loving. Loving is the apex of the supernatural work of God that's contrary to how we think. Now, again, if they like us and like what we like, we think of love as pretty easy, except for those few moments here and there where we have run it. It's not a problem to like people that like you. That's not the issue. Jesus said... seeing more and more bladder cancer and it's basically I think especially in the older generation from a generation they had several generations of smoking and from air pollution and you know uh, just environmental pollution and so we're starting to see uh, not starting it's just getting worse we're seeing lots of bladder tumors and the thing about it is is that they all present with blood in their urine I mean 99% of the time you're gonna catch it with blood in your urine but it's the kind of thing that you have to stay on top of. It's a different kind of cancer than, say, let's say you had, you know, a cancer removed and so okay, you're cured after so many. The bladder cancer is continuous surveillance, continuous treatment, depending on what's going on in the bladder. And um, 
One of the biggest challenges we have is that these patients are getting older and older. And so what do you do with the 90-year-old? Uh, actually, we had a 104-year-old woman uh, a couple of months ago with bladder cancer. And she's very healthy, actually. So we, you know, we were able to treat her, but it's just a different uh, type of um, the post-operative care is different. You've just got to be way more careful because they don't have as much reserve. But we're seeing a lot of bladder cancer. And um, I think that uh, while it's highly treatable, patients really need to be conscious and, and uh, conscious of it and screen for it. And obviously the biggest thing is people need to stop smoking because that's actually the number one cause of you know, bladder cancer. That was Advanced Urology Institute. For more information, www.advancedurologyinstitute.com. That's advancedurologyinstitute.com. Welcome back to Friday Night's Live. I am R. Irvin Padia. Men of Purpose Talks, our live edition from 9 to 10 p.m. We, we have discussion on a variety of topics. Tonight we are touching on the identity, finding our identity. But before we go into that discussion, I just want to play one last motivational clip for you titled The Strength of God Resides in You. I hope you enjoy. Every man carries the weight of the world on his shoulders. From the weight of frustration to not being able to find a job, to the weight of lethargy of not being able to sleep at night with that newborn baby, to the weight of rage to that girl that betrayed you after you gave her your heart. And worst of all, is the weight of carrying the fact that you know you're not living up to the strength that is within you. Not being the strongest version of yourself. And all of this resistance accumulates. It grows so heavy that your body feels like it's going to break. So what do we do when we feel like we're on the brink of destruction? What do we do when we feel like the weight has become so unbearable? We need to learn to lift that weight. Not because of who we are now, but because of who we know we are to become. Don't you ever let somebody tell you you can't do it. You have a dream, a purpose, you gotta protect it. It's the people that can't do it themselves that'll tell you that you can't do it. You can do it, period. You see, it's impossible not to feel pain. But to not feel pain, you have to live too cautiously to even be living at all. You see, you may not get that job the first time, or the next one, or the one after that. But here's the thing. You don't quit, you don't give up. You get back up and prepare for the next one. You see, the biggest enemy you have to deal with is yourself. You don't have to personally be perfect to do great things. You just need to want it bad enough to get up and do something about it. You gotta dig deep down within you and ask yourself, who do I want to be? Not what, but who? 
Now just look at your challenges, like the plates that you slap on the barbell. Your failed relationships. Adversaries that attack you. Your broken heart. Lost job. When you look at them this way, you see a way to overcome them. Now God doesn't send troubles to you, but just remember that each one of these obstacles are designed to strengthen weaknesses within your own character. Stop running away from your challenges. You see, it's easy to be on the bottom. It doesn't take any effort to be a loser. But you see, the opportunities that come into your life mean nothing unless you take full advantage of them. It's with repetitive action that you get stronger. And in that same way, by overcoming obstacles in your life over and over again through faith, you get stronger. Once you understand this, you not only accept these challenges, but as men, you beg for them. But now that you know you can do it, go out there and lift that weight. How do I define myself? Over the course of our lives, each person's identity is formed and shaped through individual experiences, relationships, culture, media, your family, and the world around us. We are constantly defining who we are in a way best that we can. One psychologist author of the book, The Gift of Being Yourself, defines identity as who we experience ourselves to be, the I each of us carries within. Often we feel pressured to define ourselves through our jobs, financial status, successes, grades, appearances, and what other people say about us. What does that really mean? But what happens to our identity when we experience failure, or we lose someone's favor, or become burned out in our jobs, and our place of service. 
The very foundation of our identity is shaken and altered, resulting in us hustling to define ourselves by something or someone else. A stable sense of self cannot fully exist when we place our identity in external things. When circumstances change, our identity constantly changes also. We may receive an overwhelming amount of messages telling us to define ourselves by external measures. But what would it look like to base our identity on what the Creator had in store for us? What would it look like if we could just get an opportunity tonight to look through the eyes of God, to see how He sees us and how He intends for us to live? The author suggests an identity grounded in God would mean that when we think of who we are, the first thing that would come to mind is our status as someone who is deeply loved by God. But how would viewing yourself this way change the way you live? I think it would. It would change the way you think of yourself. It will even change the way you act and the way you portray the image of who you are. What gets in the way of us actually believing who God says we are? Our identity is about how God sees us. That's first and foremost. We need to remember that. One of the richest passages about identity in the Bible is found in Ephesians 1, 3 to 14. In this passage... Paul addresses the church in Ephesus, explaining the new identity given to a person when they are in Christ. According to Ephesians 1, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We have been chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, grace lavished, and unconditionally loved and accepted. We are pure blameless and forgiven we have received the hope of spending eternity with god when we are in christ these aspects of our identity can be altered by what we do obstacles comes but the obstacles will only make us stronger these obstacles in god becomes a stepping stone so they are healthy identity how can i say an obstacle is a healthy identity well let me explain often a gap exists between intellectually knowing these truths about god and who god says he is and who god says we are and living them out it's like two worlds that could never come together. But in order for us 
to move on into what God wants us to do. These two worlds, who God is and what God says about us, needs to come together. This can be affected by us seeing ourselves through the eyes of God and experiencing life with joy unspeakable. And as the songwriter says, full of glory. And the ways we allow the world to define us. In order to live out the fullness of our identity in Christ, we must determine what hinders us from doing so. That varies from person to person. Often, a false belief has wedged itself between how God defines us and seeing ourselves in the same light. For example, the opposite of pure and blameless would be pure, impure, stained, or guilty. Perhaps a life experience has caused you to feel impure. A mistake that you made caused you to think little of yourself as if you're not worthy to become an image of who God is. So you are ashamed of calling yourself a child of God, a son of God. So you believe God sees you impure and dirty and fallen. You then create and live out an identity based on your actions, which is contrary to how God sees you. Remember, you cannot be more righteous. You cannot pray for righteousness. Because you are already righteous in God. You cannot pray for faith. But because you have already an amount of faith, you need to grow your faith. In order to fight against these false beliefs, we must discover the exact belief we are allowing to negatively form our identity. According to Ephesians 1, we, we may see ourselves as rejected instead of accepted. In chains instead of being set free. Under the law instead of being covered by grace. And orphaned instead of being adopted. Living out just one of these identities can affect our behavior. Living out just one of these identities can affect our behavior. If from tonight you start saying to yourselves, I am accepted, I am not rejected. I am free, I am not in chains. I am living under grace, I am not living under the bondage of law. I have been adopted into the family of God. I am not an orphan. I am not outside. If we still think we are under the law, we may think we must do. We need to do something to get something. That's the principle of the law. To give a sacrifice and to receive a blessing. More for God in order to be right with him. We may bury ourselves in ministry, in ministry or service and end up being in misery. Instead of being, being able to be, be in rest 
I am resting in the knowledge that Jesus has done everything necessary to bring me out and to carry me into his favor in a permanent way. But it's, it's going to be challenging. The challenging thing is you actually coming away from false belief of yourself. That's the challenging thing. That false belief of who you are and who you think you are, you need to get away from that kind of thinking and that mindset. Once you can organize your thoughts and recognize a false belief, surrender it to God. Turn away from it by choosing not to agree with it. Then replace that lie with the truth found in the word of God. Sometimes a lie is connected to a very real painful experience. Take time to grieve over the experience and invite God into the place of brokenness. After you have surrendered that lie over to God, pray that he will help you to believe the truth about who he says you are and make your way a, a way that is filled with light and joy so that you will be aware of times you do not believe it. We may not always feel forgiven or blameless, but the truth is God sees us that way. This is where faith comes in. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds, to destroy arguments, and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5, as the English Standard Version. God has given us everything that we need to demolish strongholds or false beliefs. And he empowers us to do so. But we need to see ourselves how God sees us. Seeing yourself as God sees you, if we believe and we live out an identity based on how God sees us, we no longer feel the need to find our worth in our external circumstances. It frees us up to live confidently and stably instead of changing who we are based on in the opinion of others our professional success, how we see ourselves, and all the other ways we define significance. It gives us the opportunity to experience God's unconditional love in a new, fresh way. And it allows us to confidently be bold and be strong because we know the Lord our God is with us. It is certainly a battle we live in. And it's a world that we need to challenge. 
we need to challenge the way we see ourselves. And if it's not aligning to the way God sees us, then we need to destroy that lie. But the battle is worth it because we fight it. The world around us changes. How would believing the truth about your identity in Christ change the way you live? So what's your next step? Your next step is to search yourself. Your next step is to find out if you have been telling yourself a lie all this time. Your next step is to go into the word and take out every word that aligns to who God says you are and replace the lie that you have and you and society have portrayed you to be weak, forgotten, a failure, unsuccessful, poor, miserable, sick. Replace that lie with the truth of God. From today, you will see yourself the way God sees you and your identity is going to change. We'll be right back. patients you know we'll have one stone and that's about it we have a lot of patients who obviously get recurrent stones and um, the key there is to try to a change their dietary habits in terms of lots more water drinking uh, lemon juice which has citrate in it cutting back on certain types of foods not all types of foods because the internet's full of massive lists of foods that could cause it really spinach is number one and then obviously habits where you're drinking a lot of something like drinking a lot of coffee or colored sodas which have a lot of oxalate in it that can cause yeah there's nothing wrong with drinking one or two cups in the morning but you know we all know people that drink three pots a day right and or it's nothing wrong with drinking a couple of cokes but we all know people that drink two six packs of coke a day it's you know you got to alter those dietary habits and try to substitute it more with water but yeah we see lots of stones here see a lot of obviously a lot of prostate uh, a lot of prostate cancer a lot of uh, benign prostate disease in other words older guys when I say older I just mean like over 50 who start to have problems uh, urinating and that's just common benign prostate disease the biggest challenge we have not only is uh, not only that is cancer that's really there's been a lot of huge breakthroughs in prostate cancer and uh, 
So we're trying to, as a community, keep up as well as, because obviously everything these days has to do with equipment, and uh, equipment's not cheap. That was good to see Advanced Urology Institute in Florida. For more information, www.advancedurologyinstitute.com of the New Testament's clarity. If you were asked, you know, who we are, who do we identify ourselves to? Some will reject the label Christian in favor of a deconstructed term like Jesus follower with presumably a less cultural baggage. Some would add a slew of denominational or confessional labels, while those on the opposite side of the spectrum would add the obliterate, spiritual, but not religious. Others might even classify themselves as, you know, quote-unquote, born again, or children of the king a daughter of the king, a son of the king. But what does it mean to be a man of God, a Christian man? Most of the people and the popular identifiers reflect together with our romantic praise choruses. The heavily emotive feminized state of evangelical subculture. We live in a cultural moment in which a phrase like you're worth it works as well for the next Christian conference as well as the La Real advertisement. This pattern of cognitivitis, self affirming spirituality by its own nature appeals only to a certain segment of the population and thus accounts for the conspicuous statistical underrepresentation of men in the average evangelical congregation. Men in particular must recover a formulation of Christian identity that is not only biblical and practical but sufficiently masculine christian men need convenient handles with which to grasp the enormity of their identity in christ 
Conveniently, the Apostle Paul gives us three. 1 John 2, 12-14 Believers are addressed by three familiar terms. One, you are a child. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. Our rebirth into the family of God is the genesis of our new identity. But to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John 1, 12-13 Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John 3, 3 Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves Whoever has been born of him, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Fushan 1 and 4. The regeneration we receive in new nature with Godward affections, enabling us to cast ourselves upon Christ and receive forgiveness of sin, the train of new birth, faith, justification, and adoption stampedes into the believer's life in rapid succession. Our entrance into God's family as children is the key that unlocks the rest of our life. In his first epistle, John employs this metaphor twice in parallel construction to emphasize two realities one the believers cleansing pardon from sin and two his newfound relationship with God you may feel hardened you may have regrets you raise children who reflect your sins as a mirror you recall your bringing only to find yourself simultaneously resenting your father and becoming more like him but in christ your natural hereditary record of sin is a sponge and your guilt of decisively removed you are freed to live above the accusing voice of your inner demons now your father the figure who shapes you models manhood and passes on to you his very own nature is the supreme loving all-powerful God of the universe not just another flawed male this father calls you by his own name he looks you in the eye and is present men of God today begin to build yourself begin to build the conception of who you see in the mirror on the status of being sons of God of course that will not happen overnight but as I leave you tonight I want to encourage you when you look in the mirror again 
repeat after me. I am a son of God. Fight those demons inside. Fight those voices that are telling you you're not good enough. Look yourself straight in the mirror the next time and say, I am a son of God. I hope you enjoy the rest of this weekend. This has been another edition of Friday Night Live. Look out on our Facebook page as we continue to interview different guests from around the world. See you again next week, live again. I am Arav Padia, and this has been another edition of Men of Purpose Talks, our podcast. God bless you. God loves you. Have a blessed night.